0: You may be seated. Psalm 65. Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion, and to you the vow shall be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. Iniquities prevail against me, as for our transgressions, you will provide atonement for them. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple." By awesome deeds in righteousness you will answer us, O God of our salvation. You who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of the far-off seas, who established the mountains by his strength, being clothed with power. You who still the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the tumult of the peoples. They also who dwell in the farthest parts are afraid of your signs. You make the outgoings of the morning and evening rejoice. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness, and all, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. What's the name of that song? Seek ye first. Yes. Please join me, if you will, uh, in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Have you begun recording? Stephen? Found it. Okay. Well, it started off at 30, so. he was Okay. No. It it's Philippians oh, 3 1. Philippians 3 1 through 4 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me, to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless." But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained, or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already obtained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the savior the lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to able even to subdue all things to himself therefore my beloved and longed-for brethren my joy and crown So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Well, the title that I have given this message is Super Abundance of Joy. Super Abundance of Joy. Of all of Paul's letters, and I don't think I'm alone in this, Philippians is the letter in which he hammers, hammers, hammers joy. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Be joyful, be joyful, be joyful. This is a man writing from Rome. He's under house arrest in Rome. He's not... And he, God is penetrating the, the Caesar's own household, the Praetorian Guard, and all these people. He's penetrating, but he is suffering. And yet he is joyful in the face of the suffering. Because he knows who is in absolute control of his life. Ladies and gentlemen, nobody can look at you cross-eyed without divine permission. God is in absolute control of our life experience. That is so critical for us to understand. Because it is Satan's threat to us... Is that somehow God has been distracted? He's paying attention? No, he is totally, completely focused on us. He's focused on us, and we have a right to joy, authentic joy. And that is God's purpose, to sweep us into his own blessing. Notice what Paul says in chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for unto me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Why does he say that? Because he's already said that over and over again. Notice this, chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with Joy. I make requests for you with joy. I am full of joy as I am praying for you. My memory of my, the ministry God did before you through me, but it was God's ministry, it brings me great joy. And of course, they've already sent him. Why is he writing to them? Because they have sent him aid, a fellow named Epaphroditus, who's already been named in chapter 2. This fellow Epaphroditus has been their emissary to bring help from the Philippian church. That's a long ways. it's a hard journey. Whenever you ro- and, and we're talking about 2,000 years ago, folks, every time you traveled from one place to another, it was a job. And Epaphroditus had brought their offering to help Paul there in Rome and Epaphroditus had almost died while he was in Rome. And they had heard about it in Philippi, were mourning, were we're praying for him, and Paul is able to send this letter back to them in the hand of Epaphroditus, whom God had healed. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests of you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, Chapter One, verse beginning in verse fifteen, so some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, which he's going to repeat in in chapter three, and some from good will. the former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defence of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. Joy, rejoice, rejoice. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a right to joy because that is the God who governs our life experience. chapter 1 verse 25 and being confident of this well back up to verse 23 I'm hard pressed between the two I have a desire to depart and be with you to be and to be with Christ which is far better nevertheless to remain in the flesh is nor more needful for you oh man I want to go be with Jesus I want to go be with Jesus but he's telling me no you got to stay a little longer I got to stay a little longer I got more for you to do And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Christ Jesus by my coming to you again. He is hammering joy, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, if there is any consolation, any comfort in in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy (laughs) by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. As I hear about the progress you're making and the growth, your spiritual growth, that fortifies, that energizes my joy. So this has already been the joy epistle. Chapter 2, verse 17. Yes, and I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Chapter 2, verse 28, therefore I sent him, Epaphroditus, the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice. Okay, then our passage today, chapter 3, verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) And as the Philippians are reading this, they're like, yeah, Paul, I think we get it. I think we got it. (laughs) I think we got it. And he says, I know that this might be, uh, you you think I may be overplaying this. No, I'm not. Rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious. I never get tired of talking about and promoting the joy that belongs to us as his disciples. Rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious. But for you, it is safe. My restating the truth is exactly what you need to hear. And it provides that safe condition for you to walk in. Where do we fight the devil? We don't fight the devil out here in the world. We fight the devil in our minds and in our hearts. And that's what needs to be fortified. Our outlook, our minds, and our hearts. What is our spiritual and emotional orientation. If it is, the number one thing should be love for God. And if we have authentic love for the true and living God, as he really is, joy will simply be there. It will be an outcome. That's why joy is a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, Goodness, kindness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is for walking in the Spirit. You discover yourself, your love to be enlarging. You discover your joy to be enlarging. You suddenly are surrounded by and engulfed by the peace of God that passes all understanding. And I know I've shared this, this uh outrageously fantastic illustration with you before. There's a fa- famous Confederate general by the name of Stonewall Jackson. And why, where did he get that weird nickname of Stonewall? Because at the first battle of Bull Run, Stonewall Jackson, his troops are out in front of him. The enemy is further away, but he's not that far away. He's standing on a hilltop with his binoculars, he's standing watching the battle and, and directing his troops. And he's, he's got bullets, he's got musket balls flying past him. The enemy can see him. That's their general. <laughs> and When the battle was all over, somebody quietly came to General Jackson and said, uh, <clears throat> General, uh, the men are talking about you. <laughs> They're really kind of nervous about uh, the mindset of a guy who deliberately, who is the general, standing there within the range of the enemy and not moving. And his reply to them was, well, I know what my God is like. I am as safe on the battlefield as I am at home in bed. And I don't need to fear anything more here than I do at home in bed. And the guy, oh. And the word went out through the truth. What a powerful testimony. Stonewall Jackson was an extremely deep, strong Christian. What a testimony. And that's where he got, because he stood there like a stone wall, not moving. He knew his God was present with him and all of who he was. And he did not need to fear. And what a testimony that was. And that's where he got the nickname Stonewall. But the peace of the Lord and the joy of the Lord was upon him. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You know who your God is, and this is the basic format of the Christian life. What is my God like? When you this is a book about God. It's by God, but it's about God. It describes Him and His attributes, but it also shows us what His ways are in the lives of people and nations. And we are to draw our lessons. He is the same God with us that he was with David. Rejoice in the Lord. You have the right to joy. For to me to write the same thing to you is not tedious. It doesn't get old to me. And for you it's safe. It's, a good, it's good information. You need to hear it over and over and over again. So do I. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil evil workers, beware of the mutilation, which a previous thing I already read, he's already warned them. Be careful of the people coming into your congregation that want to subvert God's work. Be aware, be aware, be aware. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Those Judaizers who come into your congregation. Oh, well, you folks need that, that fellow Paul. Oh, no, 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 no. He's just really a uh, knucklehead. Off. No, don't pay any attention to him. We have the authentic understanding of how to walk with God and relate to God. And it all has to do with, the, with law-keeping and uh, elevating the Jewish culture and all this stuff. And he says, they are false teachers, they are not the circumcision. No, no. They're the mutilation. We are the circumcision. What does he mean by that? Now, there are plenty of Gentiles there in the Philippian church and there in the Roman church that were, had not been circumcised. And, of course, that's the thing done only to men. But he says, we are the other. To be circumcised meant committed over to God. You belong to God. We are the people who truly belong to God, who worship God in the Spirit versus the law. God the Holy Spirit was granted to us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, as a seal of the proof from God that we are authentically is, but also as the moment-to-moment-to-moment provider of of the energy we need to walk with him. We are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice! In Christ Jesus. He's lifted that law burden off of you. He hasn't lifted off of you the moral demands of the law, but he's lifted off of you the format of law-keeping as the basis of your relationship with him. The basis of your relationship with him is you are a child of mercy, that he has already embraced and welcomed you into his kingdom. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Because of his loving nature, not because of your performance. It was up to our performance, folk. The love of God would be gone a long time ago. No, it's based on his loving nature. He loves mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. He is a God of grace, giving us what we don't deserve. He is a God of love. He is loyal to us, committed to us rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anybody has the right to brag about their life story and their commitment to the law and all this stuff, and he goes into the details, which I already read, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he doesn't say it here, is a student of the number one Pharisaical teacher, Gamaliel. I mean, Paul was on track to be a leading Pharisee. As a young man, he was already had a lot of attention. He was already on track to become one of the leaders of the Pharisaical movement. And Jesus yanked him out of that mess (coughs) and swept him into his embrace. I had all the things that these Jewish people trying to subvert your walk I had every one of the things that they claim work. And let me tell you something, personal testimony, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. That's why when Jesus' face planted him in the dirt outside of Damascus, Jesus said to him, it is hard for you to against the, kick against the goads, those pointed sticks. And why? Because Paul's conscience was beating him to death. Because he knew he wasn't really keeping the law. He wasn't living up to what people thought he was living up to. And the commandment he always cites is number 10, the one that internalizes it. You shall not covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's life. Read the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. It goes on, Explanate, do not covet your neighbor's life, wife, stuff, reputation. Don't covet it. Oh, wow. You just went from preaching to meddling there. God. (laughs) Verse 7, but what things were gained for me, all these things I was so proud of, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. They are of no value that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God, by, which is from God, by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. This is what I want to know. I want to step into this experience, that I may know him, have a deep personal relationship the power of his resurrection. I want to walk in the power that rose Jesus, my Savior, from the dead. That is the power who dwells within us. God the Holy Spirit. The fellowship of his suffering. I want to know the fellowship. I want to join Jesus in his sufferings. Jesus was rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected. I want to join Jesus in that. Wait a minute, wait, 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 Paul, you just lost me. (laughs) You want to join Jesus in his suffering? Yes, because the measure by which I join Jesus in my suffering now is the measure by which my kingdom glory will be enhanced. My kingdom glory will be enhanced. The harder I work here, the more loyal I am to him, the more abuse I experience from the world of flesh and the devil, the more glory in the kingdom I will have that I may know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He's not talking about the literal, just the literal resurrection. He's talking about the kingdom glory that accompanies it. Not that I've already attained. You know, folks, I haven't arrived yet. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. When Jesus laid hold of you, when you were brought into the kingdom, what was his ultimate goal for you? What was his ultimate goal for me? To step us into the greatest glory in his kingdom to come that would be possible. And he is going to be with us every step of the way to bring us to that place of success. That's the job of a coach with his athletes is to put them through a physical rigor in their bodily preparation, their energy and strength preparation, but also in teaching them the plays and teaching them the skills so that what? That ultimately they can win on the field of conflict. That they can win. That's Jesus' goal. He wants to shepherd us through this process in order to enhance our ultimate kingdom glory. Not that I've already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also may hold of me. I want what he wants. I want for me what he wants for me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Stop right here. What has Paul already gone through? The Philippians witnessed the mighty work that God did through Paul in Philippi. They've heard much since. Paul has gone through a lot of sufferings before he writes this letter. He spent time in a dungeon in in Israel. He spent time there before he finally made it to Rome. Now he's under house arrest. They've heard about, and the, you read the book of Acts, read about the storms that... No, no, nobody should have survived that, that trip from Israel to Rome. Nobody should have survived, but God saved them. God saved them, and the, the people on the ship knew it was God because they had already given up. In fact, the sailors on the ship were going to abandon everybody. They were going to sneak away, and Paul says to the sentient, uh, don't let them get in that boat because they're going to flee, and we need them. <laughs> And so, Paul, you read in Acts, this is a really rugged trip to Rome. And now he's in Rome, and he's chained constantly to some Roman. And yet he's rejoicing. He's rejoicing because Jesus is making use of him. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And he was from a wealthy family that had a wonderful estate there in Tarsus and reaching forward to those things which are ahead i press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus that's the goal i have that is the goal jesus has for me and that's the goal i have for me and so when a the mindset of a team of athletes is the same mindset as their coach then everybody can work together and they can achieve much more than they ever could have otherwise. I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And so as the Philippians are reading this, they're all kind of, oh. am i mature <laughs> have i become a steady consistent reliable disciple of jesus good question as many of us as are mature have this mind and if in anything you are you think otherwise God will reveal even this to you. God is not afraid to show us what our shortfalls are. Not to humiliate us, but to correct us so that we can be brought to the place of success and consistency. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upper call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you are otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, don't fall back. Don't fall back into your own way, old ways. Let us walk by the same rule. To the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. As a band of people, as a congregation, be united in your outlook of what I just described to you. brethren, Join in following my example. Paul isn't afraid to point to himself as an example. He's not full of pride here, but he is able to authentically say, see what I've done. In the same way that an athlete who's finished a marathon can turn around and encourage those who are still in the race. Join in following my example. Paul had left behind... The pharisaical reputation he had left behind all the things that the Jewish community (coughs) would have complimented him for. (coughs) He left behind great personal wealth. And he has found Christ. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk. As you have us for a pattern. We are, Paul says in another place, imitate me even as I imitate Christ. And he wasn't afraid of them comparing Paul to Christ. He wasn't afraid. And where I fall short, I fall short. But imitate me even as I imitate Christ. Join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk. Of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. And it's sad to say, but we all know people who have made a very clear, vocal statement about their love for Christ, their trust in Christ, their loyalty to Christ, who have then walked away, who have then fallen away. And what should our response be? Grief. If you're a lover of Christ, you're also a lover of them, and you will, you will grieve. Many walk, of whom I have t- told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds, their mind on earthly things. They're not setting their mind on the heaven's goal. They're setting their minds on earthly things that are going to go away. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Everything about this world is going to vanish. For many walk of whom I have told you often now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven. What is our true place of identification? Heaven. We are citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of Rome. We're not citizens of the Jewish culture. We are citizens of Jesus' culture. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, this morning we finished in the Sunday school class, we finished First Corinthians 13. And what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13? Faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. What's he talking about here? He's talking about hope. Our great expectation, our great hope And that's not a wimpy word in Greek like it is in English. (laughs) Our expectation is his coming kingdom promise. And we, that's our place of investment of our time and our effort. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. And all God's people said, amen, I'll take that. (laughs) Conformed to his glorious body, which is incorruptible, perfect, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. The entire universe, every place where Satan has been allowed to touch and has degraded it, is going to be completely restored to its initial glory. And so with us. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. My beloved and longed-for brethren, I wish I could be speaking this to you live rather than sending it as, as a letter, My joy and crown, I rejoice. I rejoiced when Epaphroditus brought the the testimony about how Christ was still heartily at work in your midst. My joy and crown. Why are they his crown? Because when he steps into the presence of Jesus, Jesus is going to say, Well done you good and faithful servant. Well done. What you did in in Philippi was done by my energizing power and wisdom. Well done. Well done. You are my joy and my crown. I'm saying to you, stand fast in the Lord, beloved, those whom I love. Stand fast in the, the... basic format of the Christian life, and I'm going to hammer this probably in every sermon you ever hear again, is knowing what your God is like. Know what your God is like and walk in that expectation and reality. That's the format of the Christian life that is simple and profound And it brings, it will bring us to outrageous kingdom glory that we don't even have a format here to understand what kingdom glory looks like. We are actually living in a trash dump. (laughs) I don't care if you're living in Bill Gates' mansion on that hilltop on an island out near Seattle. No, that's a trash dump compared to the glory that Jesus is going to welcome us into. We have today a time of gathering at the table of the Lord for the Lord's Supper. Why why did Jesus institute this Lord's Supper?